Well, it is really, really good to be back. Um, for any new faces in the room, my name is Chelsea Jasky. Um, I was the youth director here for the past year, year and a half or so, before making the tough but very, very rewarding decision to stay home full time. I have two boys at home, a five-year-old, Kale, and then a now three-month-old, Canton, um, which is just crazy that he's almost three months old. So we have been in the thick of it. All you parents out there know what I mean in the newborn stage of sleepless nights and poopy diapers and spit up and all that fun stuff which again is very challenging but also very rewarding. So if you haven't seen our faces, that is partly due to it. Um, I know my tendency to overtalk, and I don't want to do that this morning because I know that it's Thanksgiving week and you guys have families and Thanksgiving meals to get to. So we're just going to dive right in. Uh, we are in a series called Rescued, and we are talking about the things that Jesus Christ rescues us from. And we are looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, as just kind of our launching point. And just to get us all on the same page, I'm just going to reread it. We've probably read this before in the previous messages, um, but just so we're all kind of starting at the same place this morning. So Colossians 1, starting in 13, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So now I'm kind of a nerd. Um, I really, I've always been an English nut, not so much of a math nut. So I would much rather prefer to write a long essay than do math equations. And so when I am looking and studying at scripture, I really, really enjoy going back to the original text. I've said this before, but I truly mean it. I think that we lose a lot of meaning when we translate from one language to another. Uh, and so when I was studying this, uh, I really want to dive into this first part of verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Because as I was reading this, I kind of was questioning in my head, kingdom of darkness. What does the author mean when he says kingdom of of darkness. And so I went back to the original Greek language. And there's two words. So kingdom is exousia in Greek, and it means kingdom, like we read, but it also means dominion. It also means power, influence, or authority over something. So he's rescued us from this kingdom, this dominion, this power over this Greek word skotos, which is darkness, but it also can mean blindness. It also, if you take it a step further, can mean ignorance. And so when we talk about our faith, it means kind of spiritual blindness, not being able to see clearly the good that's happening all around us. And so I was questioning, as I was kind of pondering this, I was asking myself, okay, what are the things in our life that have so much dominion and power over us that it causes us to stumble? It causes us blindness. It causes us to not be able to see clearly. So I want you to hold that thought and hold on to that question because we'll circle back around to it. Uh, but before we get started, you know, if I'm truly honest with you, which I like to be up here, uh, when Pastor Ryan asked me to speak today, it was an obvious yes. There was no doubt in my mind I was going to be up here giving this message. But every time I sat down to try to put words together to say to you, I just didn't feel like it. How many of you have ever just not felt like doing something, right? And I think this is like my toddler's favorite word right now is like, well, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I'm like, well, bud, you got to wear pants to school, right? I mean, you can't not feel like wearing pants. I'm sorry to tell you. You know, like foods, right? Sometimes we don't feel like eating certain foods. I love sushi. 90% of the time you ask me to eat sushi, I will say absolutely yes 100 times over. But there is a 10% of the time where I just don't feel like sushi. And as I was, again, putting, trying to put this message together, every time I sat down, I just didn't feel like it. 
And I thought about all the other things I needed to do or the nap that I needed to have, and I can blame the newborn stage all I want, but it came back to how I was feeling in that moment. And call it God speaking to me, call it a moment of truth that got washed over me, but there was one moment when I was sitting there just frustrated because I couldn't get things together, and this message came over me of gratitude, of thankfulness, because I realized how thankful I am that I serve a God who doesn't just love me when he feels like it, or who doesn't just love me when I feel like doing good Christian things. Because I felt guilty for not wanting to spend time in his word, but I was reminded that God loves us. His blood shed for us on the cross covers our sins regardless if we feel like it or not. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, that's it. Going back to that question I asked, what things have so much power and dominion over us that cause us to not see clearly? Our emotions. How often do we allow our feelings to run the show of our lives? I think so many of us are so familiar with our feelings that we just let them take control. And we run through life on autopilot without ever stopping to realize and ask ourselves if our feelings and our emotions are really leading us in the right direction. And sometimes our emotions and our feelings are so loud and so heavy in our life that we physically cannot see the good that God is doing all around us. And so if you looked at the title of my message, you know that that's what we're gonna talk about today. We need rescue from our feelings. Now, before we really dive into this, I want you to hear very loud and clear. I am not here to tell you to suck it up, to never shed a tear again in your life, that emotions are bad, because it's quite frankly the opposite. Our emotions are a gift, a beautiful gift from God. He created us to be emotional human beings. But like any gift, or like anything in life really, if we allow, if we use our gift inappropriately, it can take us in a direction that we don't want to go. And so Pastor Ryan always likes to do this, to get everybody on common ground, so we all have something that we can agree upon, especially in today's age when everything is so polarized. So I'm going to follow suit and do the same thing. How many of you watch the news? Any news watchers out there? Don't be shy. It's like half and half. Yeah, how many of you are like me and don't really like to watch the news? Those out there too? Yeah, so my husband loves to watch the news, but I just, I don't enjoy it. Again, I just don't find interest in it. But I think whether you watch the news or not, can we all agree that everything that we see and hear on the news is not always true? Can we agree with that? We can have one news story covered by two different news stations, and yet, while it's the same story, it can be interpreted in two completely different ways, and the truth can be so distorted that it's really hard to pick out what's true and what's false. So I'm gonna test your radar skills to see how much you guys can tell if something is true or not. So we're gonna play a little game. I want everyone to participate. It's easy, you just have to raise your hand. Uh, it's a game called Fact or Fiction. So I'm gonna read some statements, and you tell me if you think that it's true, fact, or if it's false, fiction. Ready? Number one, there are 100 dimples on a golf ball. How many of you think that is a fact, that is true? How many of you think that is fiction? Okay, since that's most of you, do you think there's more than 100 or less than 100? More? Anybody think less? Okay, so this one is fiction. So there's actually between 300 to 500 dimples on a tiny little golf ball, which is crazy. I didn't know that. All right, next question, number two. Spaghetto is the singular word for spaghetti. How many of you think that is true? 
Raise your hand, nice and high so I can see you. Mm -hmm. How many of you think it's false? Nice and high. Okay, this one is fact. So in Italian, words that end in I are plural, and so the singular versions of them end in O. So technically, yes, spaghetto is the singular word for spaghetti. There's your fun fact of the day. Question three. It is illegal in Georgia to eat fried chicken with a knife and a fork. Fact. How many of you think that's true? False. Okay, this one is fact. So there is indeed a city in Georgia who wanted to be known as like the poultry capital of the world or something, and so they passed an ordinance, a law, that said it is only acceptable to eat fried chicken with your hands. I think we all should just move to Georgia. That sounds like fun. <laughs> all right. Elvis Presley had a twin sister. What do you guys think? Fact? No fact? No, a couple. Okay. Fiction? Okay. So this one's tricky. This one is fiction. However, Elvis Presley did have a twin, and it was a twin brother. Um, he actually passed away at birth, so that's probably why it's not very known, but actually did, was born with a twin brother. All right. Next one, last one. We have to do one about our famous local celebrity here, Pastor Ryan. Pastor Ryan had both soccer and wrestling scholarships to D1 schools. How many of you think that is true? <laughs> no one. Pastor, are you in here? How many of you think that is false? <laughs> this one is fact. Who knew our foodie pastor was such an athlete? But yeah, he had a full-ride soccer scholarship to Indiana, and then a wrestling scholarship to Indiana State, was not able to participate in either of those due to a car accident that injured him, and then the wrestling program got discontinued um, before he was eligible. So look at that. There you go. <laughs> so this is a fun little game, right, about fact or fiction, but it just goes to show that not everything we read and we see or that we hear is always true, that there is a separation between news and information and truth. And in the context of what we're talking about today, the same is true. If we want to learn how to not let our emotions control us and just run on autopilot, we have to learn how to separate news from truth. Now, I want to give you just a definition again, so we're all on the same page, and they're very simple definitions, but it's true. News is simply just information, and I promise you it's as simple as that. News is anything and everything that we read, that we see, that we hear. It comes at us all day long, every day. Every bit of information that you receive is what we would consider news. Truth, on the other hand, we as Christians believe that this is truth. Truth is God's word. Because again, as Christians, we believe that the words in this book that we call the Bible are truth. They are God-breathed. They are God's words given to us. And we trust and believe that what is in here is the truth. Now you can already see that not everything that comes to us through information, through news, always lines up with this thing here. And we understand that there is a separation between news and truth. Now what's interesting is that news, information in general, oftentimes is very neutral. Again, we get so many bits of information that come at us all day long, and oftentimes it doesn't really elicit a lot of emotional response in us. But there's other types of news that just feel heavier. It's the news from the doctor that you've been diagnosed with cancer. It's the news from your boss telling you that you've been let go from your job. 
it's the news from the lawyer that the divorce is officially final. All of us can feel the gravity of that type of news. So what's the difference? Why do some pieces of information feel so much heavier than others? And it's because some information that we receive, some news, there's emotion behind it. That's where our feelings come into play. Because whether we want to admit it or not, news is, again, neutral. It's not inherently tied to emotion. But the enemy, he is smart, and he is clever, and he is sly, and he will do whatever it takes to get you to stop believing in the truth. And so what he does is he takes this thing we call news, he takes information, and he merges it with this gift that God has given us of emotion. And what happens is when those two things merge together, now all of a sudden we start to believe a truth that doesn't necessarily line up with God's truth. That cancer diagnosis, the enemy takes that news and he merges it with fear and anxiety about the future, and now all of a sudden we start to believe, well, is God really a good God? Maybe God doesn't have a plan for my life. The enemy takes that news of that job loss and he ties it with real emotions of anger and disappointment and shame and he merges those two things together and now all of a sudden what we start to believe is that we are a failure, that we are not worthy. And we start to distort the truth that God has given us all because of this merging of news and emotion. And unfortunately, we can't control the news in our life, can we? The only thing that we can control is our emotion, is how we respond to the news that we receive. And many of you are probably like, okay, Chelsea, I get it, right? Emotion, bad. How do we start to not let emotions take control of our life? And the first thing that we have to do, we constantly have to be able to hold up what we are feeling to God's truth, to the truth. Our feelings must be constantly held up to God's truth. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our emotions, our hearts, they are deceiving. They're liars. We cannot rely on them to make our decisions for us. We constantly have to be reminded of God's truth. And this is a process that takes practice, but it has to be consistent. And if we want to start to hold our emotions up to God's truth, there's kind of two different parts to this. The first part is that if we want to hold it up to God's truth, we have to know God's truth. We have to know what is in this. That's why we stress the importance of reading the Bible, of getting into the Word. And the thing is, you know, we don't do this just to be good Christians, right? Because if we just read the Bible to be good Christians, then none of us would ever feel like knowing God's truth. But we do it because when we are face to face with tough emotions that threaten to overrun our bodies and make the decisions, then we can pull the truth out and speak the truth over our life. How many of you um, know the Easy Button Staples commercials? Does anyone remember those Easy Button Staples commercials? Okay, so I wanted to show a clip, but some of them are pretty funny. Uh, so if you go home, look up some of them. But basically, Staples put together this campaign of people facing problems, and all they would do is just pull out this easy button, smack the easy button, and their problem would disappear. Wouldn't it be nice if in life we had easy buttons, right? 
where whatever problem that we're facing, all we have to do is pull out that sucker and just tap it and our problems will go away. But the truth is, is we don't have an easy button. And unfortunately, I don't think we ever will for our problems. But what this is, God's truth, it can kind of be like our easy buttons. In fact, I have in my life what I consider my easy button scriptures. And what these are, they're my favorite verses that I've either highlighted in my Bible, I've memorized, I've even gotten to put them on sticky notes and post them around my house. But what they are is just whenever I'm faced with overwhelm or an emotion that is threatening to take control, I can simply pull this scripture out from my phone, I can pull it from my memory, and I can speak the simplicity of it over the chaos of my current circumstance. And does it fix the problem that I'm facing? Absolutely not. But does it take me down off the edge just enough that I start to realize, wait a second, my emotions don't have the final say. They don't have to take control of this situation. Absolutely, and it gives me the opportunity to look at my circumstance in a different light. We start to see a little bit more clearly. So I wanna share with you some of my favorite easy button scriptures, as you will. But literally every sentence in this book could be your easy button scripture. And so I encourage you to find your own. But for just to share some of mine, whenever I'm scared or overwhelmed, I always turn to Isaiah 41.10. reads, so do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's just a reminder that God's got me. That I, I can still feel fear, but I know that he will help me. He will strengthen me in those moments. For when I'm asking the infamous why question, or I'm confused about why something happened, and again, if I'm honest, this happens a lot, when I just don't understand God's plan and all of it, I always turn to Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are things this side of eternity that we have not given the privilege to understand, and we have to trust and know that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Another one when I'm asking this why question or I'm confused is Romans 8 28 and I think you guys all probably know this and we know that in what all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose God has a plan he's turning all things together for good again whether we understand it this side of eternity or not and the last easy button scripture I have for you this morning is when I'm questioning my worth or just feeling like I'm not quite good enough Psalm 139, 14 speaks just deep to my soul. It says, I praise you because I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The God of the universe, the God who created the universe, created me, me, beautifully and wonderfully. And I can trust and stand firm in that, even when I question, am I really good enough? So the first thing that we have to do, if we want to stop letting our emotions run the show, we first have to know God's truth. The second part of this is that we have to learn to recognize our feelings. Now this sounds intuitive, but I'll be honest with you, this is probably the harder of the two. 
because we can memorize this thing from cover to cover, but if we can't learn to, in the moment when we are feeling those strong emotions, recognize them and recognize if they're starting to tell us truths that we don't want to believe in, we have to learn to be able to slow down and ask ourselves, does this line up with God's truth? Because otherwise we will always be controlled by our emotions. How many of you know what these little guys are called? Shout it out. Emojis, yes. Does anyone remember when they first like came out on the scene, like on iPhone and stuff? Yeah, I remember it, because I, I think it was like 2008 or something. There was versions before it, but the iPhone emoji keyboard came out in 2008. And so from that too, you know, it completely changed the way we communicate with one another, right? I mean, how many of you would say that you use one of these guys on a daily basis? Okay, yep, for everybody. How many of you would say that you've ever had an emoji conversation? where literally all you send is just emoji, a thumbs up or a smiley face. You don't even use letters or words. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is this, this little picture here, next one, yep, that one, our favorite one, the chocolate ice cream emoji. I'm convinced that if Central Church had, you know, the frequently used emojis that you see, if we had a frequently used one, this would be like number one all the time, right? Which says a lot about the church you attend if the chocolate ice cream emoji is our favorite emoji to use. But yeah, 15 years ago, this would be nothing, right, to us. But now, it's on pillows, it's Halloween costumes, we use it, we talk about it in sermons on Sunday. And it's because someone smarter than me realized that letters and words did a really poor job of conveying the emotions that we were feeling. And in addition to that, now we have hundreds of emojis, but we've even graduated past them. We have, how many of you use ever GIFs or GIFs or however you pronounce it, right? Or Bitmojis, anybody have some Bitmojis that they use? Yeah, we've even graduated past just little emojis and now we have short little clips to help us even further explain how we are feeling to one another. And it just goes to show the depth and the complexity of this gift that God has given us of emotion. And unfortunately, we live in a culture that is all about, well, I gotta do me, right? I gotta do what makes me happy. I gotta stay true to myself. And I want you to understand this mentality isn't necessarily bad. In fact, it can be healthy in many ways. But like any gift that we are given, if we use it inappropriately and we refuse to hold it up to God's truth, it can lead us in a direction and in a path of destruction. Anyone that knows me, um, or even if you don't know me, but you've ever spent time with me in a car, knows that I am what you would consider directionally challenged. So if you ever use the words north, south, east, or west in a conversation with me, I will have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Like, I need landmarks, I need physical locations, and I'll try to explain it to you, but for some reason, it just doesn't click in my mind, this concept of directions, right? But some of you maybe are not like me. How many of you grew up in the era that didn't even have GPS? that you had to use physical maps, right? Okay, what about that in-between era of the map quest, right, when that came out, that technology? So whether you're good with directions or not, I think all of us could agree that without road signs, we'd all be pretty lost, right? All of us need some sort of road markers along the way to help us determine if we are on the right path or not, to let us know what exit to take, how far the next city is that we need to get to. Our emotions are simply just like road markers on our path in life. 
Because you see, our emotions, again, they're not inherently good or bad. Even those emotions that we consider bad emotions, anger, uh, jealousy, depression, anxiety, they're not bad. Just like road signs aren't good or bad. Sometimes they can be bad if they realize, you know, you realized 10 miles ago that you should have taken an exit. But other times they're good because they point you in the right direction. Our emotions are simply just indicators that there is something deeper. It is pointing us to something deeper. And the fact is, it's always pointing to the truth that when left by ourselves and our own devices, we cannot do this thing called life on our own. When left to our emotions to control us, we will fail time and time again. We need a Savior who has rescued us from having to do it on our own. And it's when we combine this knowledge of learning how to recognize our feelings in the moment when they're happening, but also holding it up to God's truth, it's then that we start to be set free from that dominion, from that power and that influence over our lives. And it's only then that we start to have a clearer perspective on the challenges that we're facing. And we can start to see all the good that God is doing in our life every day around us all the time. Now the last truth that I want to talk about, uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that when I understood this on more than just a contextual level, but I really truly understood this in my soul, it completely transformed the way I approach life in my circumstances. And the truth is this, is that we don't have to feel good all the time to know that God is good. We don't have to always feel good to know God is good. Put another way, our feelings and our emotions and God's truth, those two things can coexist. Unfortunately, I think if we grow up in the church world, we're told that they're mutually exclusive, that either you feel good all the time, which means you trust God all the time, or you feel bad all the time, which means you clearly don't have enough faith and you don't trust that God is a good God. And the reality is that sometimes our emotions are so heavy and so real that we have to give ourselves the grace that Jesus gives us every day and allow ourselves to just feel. Because if we try to repress those emotions and keep pushing them down, then at some point they are going to bubble to the surface and explode, and then that's when they have the power and dominion over our lives that we can't control. That's when we start to believe the lies that the enemy has placed in our heads. One of my favorite verses that I think just exhibits this or illustrates this so beautifully um, is Mark 14, 33 to 36. And it's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night that he's arrested uh, before he is crucified. And he's with his disciples, and starting in 33, it says, He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but you will. We see, we can feel the agony that Jesus is experiencing in this moment. It says he is deeply distressed. In fact, in one of the Gospels, it actually says that he was so distressed and distraught that his sweat was like drops of blood. That's how much he felt the gravity of those emotions at that moment. 
But what he does in this moment, again, is so beautiful. He allows himself to feel the weight of the world. And he says, God, Dad, take this from me. I don't want to do this anymore. But you know what? I know that anything is possible for you. And if it's your will, take it from me. But if it's not, I trust that your will be done. I might have shared this story before, but uh, I lost my best friend to an autoimmune disease in 2017. And when I heard the news um, of her passing, the day that I found out and I heard that news, it was June 1st, and it was like the most beautiful day you could imagine. I mean, it was, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, it was 75 and sunny, and there was just beautiful, gentle breeze that was just the perfect early summer temperature. And I remember in that moment going for a walk and just being kind of angry at God and asking him, how in the world can a day like today where I received such awful, terrible news be so beautiful? How can you allow today to be so beautiful? And looking back on that moment, I realized that that's what life is all about, isn't it? It's about learning to take the good and the bad, the happy and the sad, about allowing ourselves to feel really strong emotions, but not allowing the enemy to sneak his way in and start to distort the truth, the truth of who God says that we are and whose God says that we are. Now, Pastor Ryan says this all the time, but it's very true. I can't make this stuff up. Um, I, we moved recently, uh, and so a lot of our stuff is in boxes downstairs in our basement, and I was going through some of those boxes, and I've always, again, been a writer, a journaler, uh, and so I have just a bunch of journals just kind of everywhere, and I came across this right here. Um, it's one of my journals, and I was just kind of flipping through, and I came across a passage uh, dated 520 of 2020, so about a year and a half ago, and this would have been probably days after I accepted the youth director position here at the church. And I just want to read it to you because I think it'll just kind of close everything out and then we'll go right into prayer and then we'll go in our closing song. Uh, but I think you'll understand what I mean when I say I can't make this stuff up. So here we go, May 20th of 2020. This morning was cool and damp, misty and gloomy, but somehow calm, peaceful, and still. I'd just woken up from a night full of dreams about my new job as the youth director at our church. My racing heart reminded me upon waking of all the fears that had stopped me from wanting to take it in the first place. What if I fail again? What if I let people down? What if I hate it? The fears pulse through my body as strongly as the caffeine from my coffee. I slid open our heavy back door to the porch. I was immediately enveloped in a damp, heavy fog the mist wrapping around me tightly, but also freely, like a firm but comforting hug. I felt peace relax the muscles in my body and my heart started to smile. It was like God whispering to my soul, I've got this, you've got this, we've got this together. My legs exploded in goosebumps as they responded to both the damp, gloomy elements outside, but the warm, loving, peaceful serenity of my soul inside. And that's when it hit me. It's not one or the other, it's both. We can both live in the gloomy elements of reality while still feeling the hope and joy of a new day. We can feel chill and warmth at the same time. We can feel and experience real fears and real sadness while also feeling real strength and real comfort, knowing that God's right there with us. 
Because isn't that what life's all about anyway? Not just trying to feel happy all the time, not just trying to make it through the hard times, but life is all about learning how to dance in the rain. Let's pray. God, today, a lot of us brought some heavy emotions and some fears and real struggles that are threatening to take control. And, And the lies that the enemy is trying to make us believe they are threatening. And so many of us are so used to just allowing them to take control. But today, God, we just ask that you speak to us that you speak truth over our circumstances and remind us that we don't always have to feel good to know that you are good. That we can take those real emotions and we can hold them up to your truth and while we might feel down for a while, we know and we believe what you tell us to believe, who we are and whose we are. And God, if there's someone today that just needs that extra encouragement, I just ask that you enter into their hearts and remind them that you are good and your truth stands firm. It never changes and it's always the same day after day. And that your love and your death and your blood shed for us on the cross covers us whether we feel like it or not. God, you are so good and we love you and we worship you and we praise you. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen.